0: Um, right, we're going to move in towards our preach now. Those of you who've been around Life Church for a while will know that we would love to build a multicultural church. We are part of a church that's in a multicultural city, and we want to build a church that is reflective of God's kingdom and of our city. Um, that's a real dream of ours a vision of ours but it's something that we know that as a church we're not experts at we don't know everything there is to know about building a multicultural church and that we know that we can learn from others so we've started to do that and um, we started to do that with a church from uh, chafford hundred part of relational mission the group of churches that we're a part of we started to just build that link and um, start to learn from them um, and as part of this um, one of their leaders uh, tope will be coming to visit us regularly over the coming months, uh, going to be preaching to us over the coming months. Um, and Today is the first time, um, so it's really exciting um, to have him with us, really exciting to be able to learn from others. Um, we're going to watch a short interview with him first um, and then he's going to carry on our series in Revelation, so both will be really exciting. So over to Valter.
1: Well, good morning, Life Church. It's great to be with you on Zoom. Today, I've got the privilege of interviewing Tope. Tope is going to be uh, preaching to us this morning, opening up the book of Revelation. And uh, we've invited him especially to come and preach this morning, but also more regularly at Life Church as a result of uh, our quest to learn how to grow in being a multicultural church. Uh, as well as helping to facilitate growing multicultural leaders. Uh, we reached out for some help to the uh, community church in Chafford 100. Uh, David Barham, who leads the team there, has been a good friend of ours uh, for quite a number of years. And uh, he recommended Tope to us. He's part of uh, David's eldership team uh, to help us to come alongside to coaches, but also to come and regularly preach so we can learn from his experience. So we thought this morning we'll do a quick interview with him just to introduce him to the church so you get to know him a little bit better. So Topo, it's great to have you with us. Uh, perhaps you can explain to us a little bit like what life looks like for you day to day and uh, hear a bit more uh, uh, who you are, what your family's like.
2: Great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Good morning, Life Church. It's great to be here. Um, so uh, I'm Topo Lukemi. I'm an elder at Community Church. Um, so Community Church, it's one church over four sites. We have um, the, our biggest site at Chafford 100, um, another site at Chadwell St. Mary, another one at Basildon, and one in South Ockenden where I live. So I kind of oversee the South Ockenden site. So it's a relatively small um, church. Uh, we have maybe 35 to 40 people on a Sunday. And I look after that. Uh, I'm married to Ade. We have three boys. Our oldest is Titobi, who's 14. Our second is Titomi, he's 12, and our little one is Toba, and he's nine years old. Uh, I work um, for, 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 I have another, have a day job, I guess, um, uh, Monday to Thursday, where I work as a software developer in a bank. And on Fridays, I um, spend some time doing church stuff, but I also help my wife. Um, she runs an e-commerce business selling health and beauty products online. And so Fridays, you usually find me in the warehouse, um, either helping with the picking and packing or maybe doing a bit of DIY work.
1: Uh, great. Well, thanks so much, Topé. What What are some things that you get excited about that you're passionate about, Topé?
2: Um, I guess in, for, for me, in terms of ministry, I'm really passionate about um, teaching, passionate about teaching the Word of God. You know, I just feel that there is so much in God's word that we as believers will find can just find liberating that will just set us free to live the life that God has called us to live. And I just really like getting into that, um, expounding that, expanding on that and just, yeah, just teaching people the word of God. Um, I enjoy preaching. It's just something that I love because I just feel it's so so, empowering and it's really liberating.
1: Mm, brilliant. Well, we look forward to you opening up the next instalment or Revelation uh, in just a few minutes. Um, uh, just the last question, when you're uh, not working at the software company or helping your wife uh, or being involved uh, with the church, uh, what other hobbies do you have, things that you love to do?
2: Well, I, I, I don't really have maybe a, any particular hobbies as such. I guess it's just getting in doing stuff with my children. So maybe I have a middle, middle son likes playing chess So play chess with him. Sometimes it's doing the Lego stuff, you know, just, I guess, doing the different things that boys love doing. Um, I am, I do like football. I don't get to maybe watch it as much these days, but I'm a Liverpool fan and uh, it was really good uh, to win the title last season. I don't know if I've put some people off now by saying I'm a Liverpool fan, but well, (laughs) there you have it. That's who I am. And I make no apologies for that.
1: Brilliant. Well, I think we were doing great up to that point. I'm sure there's a few people that will uh, uh, switch to another channel now, but uh, we'll live with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's great to have you with us, Topa, and uh, great to um, uh, hear a bit more of your uh, uh, background. And uh, we look forward to have you with us today and uh, in the new year more regularly as well. So a big, warm Life
2: Church welcome. It's um, great to be with you this morning, and it's a great privilege to be able to share with you from the Word of God. I'm going to be continuing the series that you've been doing um, over the past few weeks from the book of Revelation. I'm going to be looking specifically at um, chapter 19 and chapter 20, um, starting at verse 6 from chapter 19. And I just really believe that there is something that God wants to say to us, speak to us today um, as his body, as his church. And yeah, I'm excited and I hope you are too. It's always exciting to get into God's Word. So I'm going to pray now, and after I finish praying we're going to dive straight into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and bless you for today. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful opportunity that we have to get into your Word, mighty God. And I just really pray that, Father, you'll speak to each one of us today through your Word. I pray you'll speak through me, Lord, to your people, Lord. I pray that the word will bring encouragement where necessary, I pray that it will bring correction where necessary, and I pray, Father, that you will be glorified today in the, um, in the preaching of your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so, um, you know, going through these uh, two chapters of Revelation, the kind of theme that jumps out at me is that it's talking about the coming, the return of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I find that this is something that uh, maybe as Christians, we kind of all know uh, um, in our minds. We we know that Christ is going to come back one day. But I want to ask a question. How many of us are eagerly looking forward to the return to the second coming of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? You know, I think that this is something that we should be looking forward to, something that we should anticipate, we should be eager um, about um, Paul, in one of his letters, he prays the prayer, he says, Maranatha, and that means, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, is that our heart's desire? Is that our prayer, that Lord Jesus, come quickly? Why are we just so caught up in the affairs of life? Are we just so caught up in just the stuff going on in life that it's actually not at the forefront of our minds? It's not something that we really think about the return, the second coming of Jesus Christ. I just think that today, you know, in the, what we're what we going to go through today should kind of help us to, to come back, to bring back that focus and open our eyes to what the second coming of Christ means to us, his people, and hopefully stir us so that we begin to look forward with this eager anticipation for Christ's return. So, I'm going to start reading from uh, verse 6 of chapter 19. Uh, it says, Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, and like the rumbling of loud thunder, saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. He also said to me, these words of God are true. Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. I'm your fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here we kind of we see the first thing. That the second coming of Christ, the first thing that it means, and the first thing that it means is the wedding, the marriage of the Lamb, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, with his bride, which is us, the church. And that's something that I find uh, that that's something to look forward to the day when finally I will be united with my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ physically. You know, the day when I'll be able to know him even as I am known. The day when the church, when I with my brothers and sisters, where we're going to have this wonderful wedding feast, where we're going to be with Christ in his kingdom. And I think that's something that we need to look forward to. And there's some important things that you know come out from here. You know, the first thing is that the bride says the bride has prepared herself so the bride is prepared, ready for this marriage. And that's encouraging because sometimes you probably look at the church, you look at the body both locally, you look at the body um, globally and are things that maybe discourage you, things that weigh you down, You know, things that you'd rather are not happening in the church. Maybe you even look at your life and you feel that there's stuff going on in your life that you'd rather not um, be happening. You'd rather not what's going on in your life. You feel sometimes that, Am I ready? Am I prepared? Am I worthy enough you know, for, for, for Christ, for what he's called me to? And the, what the, the reassurance that we have here, it says, the bride has prepared herself. So the bride, the church, you and I, we have prepared ourselves, which means that on the day of the wedding feast, we will be ready. Yes, we go through stuff, we go through trials, we go through tribulations, we go through testings. Yes, sometimes we do things that we'd rather we had not done, but on that day, we will be ready, we will be prepared. And that's God constantly just working through us, the Holy Spirit working through us to get us to that point where we are ready and prepared for our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And this is Christ at work. looking at Ephesians chapter 5 that talks about this, it talks about how Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word and he did this to present the church to himself in splendour without spot or wrinkle or anything like that but holy and blameless. So Christ himself is doing this work in us to prepare us for his coming, to prepare us for the for for the wedding feast and says she was given fine linen to wear bright and pure so Christ himself gives us the clothing he gives us the wedding garments but then at the same time it says the linen represents the righteous acts of the saints so it's those righteous acts that we do through the power of the Holy Spirit that is represented by this linen that's what we wear that's what adorns the bride adorns the church on that day So I want to encourage you again that those good things, the righteous acts, the righteous deeds that you're doing, keep on doing them because those are the things that are going to be exposed, shown to to creation, shown to, to the heavens on that day. You know, the righteous acts of God's people on full display at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And there is a cast iron guarantee that this is going to happen. Why? Because the angel says, these words of God are true. So there's a reassurance there because God is true. He is truth that these things he's declared, that one day the physical union of, God, of the Lamb and his bride, the church, is guaranteed to happen. And because it's the truth, it should outweigh our fears and the reluctance that we have sometimes in the world to do the things that Christ has called us to do. Because we do them in anticipation of, of what's going to happen in the future you know we do them because we know that whatever we go through in th- through in this world is far outweighed by the glory the joy the rejoicing that's going to happen when we are reunited with our lord and savior jesus christ at the wedding feast so that's one thing that the coming of christ means It's it means that he's coming to take his bride coming to be wedded to be joined to his bride the church but the second thing that um that that this means is that that the coming of christ means is that it means the final destruction of all evil and we see that in the the the, latter part of chapter 19 and also in chapter 20 because what we see there is this unholy trinity of the beast the false prophet and the dragon satan Finally being destroyed once and for all. And now Christ in the wedding comes is in the form of the lamb. This is the one who sacrificed himself, gave himself for his bride for the church. But in this second um, kind of part, this second aspect, we see Christ as the champion. We see him almost as this this white knight riding in on a horse to destroy his enemies, destroy those who have been persecuting his bride, persecuting his people. From verse 11 of chapter 19, then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse, its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war with justice, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, coming to judge coming to make war justice. And it talks about his names, um, faithful and true, he, the word of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And as Christ comes, we see that the, the beast and the, uh, the false prophet come with the kings of the world, the armies, to, array, to, to, do, to wage war against Christ. Now, at this point, um, you probably expect that John might spend a few chapters describing the battle, But the fact is that there really is no battle. You know, almost as soon as it starts, it's all over. Because nothing, no one can stand against the supremacy of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so the beast and the false prophet, we see that um, they're, they're captured, they're taken prisoner. And then both of them are thrown into the lake of fire. And then the rest of the people that have come, the armies, they're destroyed, they're killed with the sword. That came from the mouth of the rider on the horse. So, victory over the beast, victory over the false prophet. But it doesn't stop there, because in chapter 20 we see that um, that, that, that final foe, uh, the devil, Satan, that great deceiver, you know, he also meets his downfall. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, closed it and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years were completed. After that, he must be released for a short time. And then uh, we see this vision of the saints reigning with Christ, but then looking at the devil's final destruction says when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So here we see in very, very vivid terms how the devil also ends up meeting his own destruction. And I think the important for me, the, the, what kind of strikes out to me here is that even then, similar to the, to the um, defeat of the beast and the false prophets, again, you know, you see this number, huge number of people coming together with the devil to, to wage war against the saints. And how the battle again is over almost as soon as it starts, because fire comes down from heaven, consumes all of these armies, and the devil is thrown into the lake of fire with the beast and the false prophet. Now, a few things I just want to draw out from here is that God wins. He keeps on winning. Jesus keeps on winning. And so we, God's people, have to keep on going. You know, there's, first of all, the guarantee of the victory of the gospel. But it says that Satan is put, captured for a thousand years. He's bound for a thousand years so that he can no longer deceive nations. And that means that there is a period, And I think, I believe we're in that period now, where the gospel has the power to overturn the deceit of Satan. Because he's been held bound. I believe when Christ came... Died on the cross, Satan was bound. Then Christ tells us to go out and to make disciples of all nations, baptize them in their own the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, to go out and share the good news. And we go out in faith because we know that there is victory in the gospel. You now, the second thing from here is the guarantee of Satan's defeat. So he's bound, he's sealed in now, but in that great last battle, he will finally be defeated and the third thing is the assurance the future that we have with our lord and savior jesus christ and you kind of see that in the in the middle bit of chapter 20 where it says then i saw thrones and people seated them who were given authority to judge i also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about jesus and because of the word of god who had not worshipped the image or his beast who had not accepted his mark on their foreheads they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So there's this assurance that, you know, our future with Christ, that we are going to reign with him as this kingdom of priests. You know, Peter calls us this um, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, and kind of see the fulfillment of that, you know, here in the book of Revelation. So I want to encourage us, you know, from this this morning that... There is so much to look forward to about the coming of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You know, firstly, we look forward to the fact that we will be united with him, physically united with him at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the second thing to look forward to is that his enemies, our enemies, will finally be defeated. I guess the third thing to look forward to is that, you know, at that second coming it means that we are going to be with him and reign with him for all eternity. And I just think there's just so much there that sometimes, you know, I, I wonder even about myself. Why am I not so, why am I not much more eager to see my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ to return? Because when he returns, I mean, all these things that we've kind of been struggling with, battling with, it all, it all, it all ends. You know, we're with him Uh, once and for all, with him for eternity. And the one who has waged war against us, waged war against our our brothers and sisters, persecuted the body, his end, his destruction will finally come. So I want to just encourage us, you know, from this, this morning. You know, God rules, Jesus wins, Jesus has the victory. And because of that, we need to keep on going. You know, let's not get despondent. It's very easy to get despondent when you see everything that's going on around. Even now with the pandemics, it's easy to get discouraged, to get despondent. You know, when is all of this going to end? But we do know that one day it will all end when Jesus Christ comes again. But until then, we don't sit back and just um, kind of sit on our hands and say well i'm not going to do anything until christ comes to to bring the victory no because even now you know we can begin to to walk in in that victory we can begin to experience that victory in our lives you know john um he says this talking he says this talking about what we have in christ in first john chapter 3 he says dear friends we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. So yes, what we will be has not yet been revealed. So the fullness of what I will be, what you will be, what the church will be, you know what it's gonna look like at that wedding feast has not yet been revealed. But there is a fact that right now we are God's children. And because we are God's children right now, you know we can go in that power in that knowledge of being his children filled with the Holy Spirit to, to share the good news and to you know, to bring that good news of the kingdom to people around us, family friends, to to share that gospel you know all over the world. why because we are God's children right now so there, there is this tension. That yes, on one hand, um, we, can't, we are living in the now. We see some of the kingdom at work and um, kind of we see the reality of some of the kingdom now. But there's also the, the not yet because we are not yet experiencing the fullness of what Christ has for us. We're not experiencing the fullness of what we've seen today in uh, what we read about today, shared today in, the, in chapters 19 and 20 of Revelation. But somehow we need to find a way of living in that tension. You know, we don't want to kind of shift to um, where the, like the prosperity gospel or name it and claim it want to take us to and saying that, yeah, basically everything is already done. It's already won. And all you have to do is name it and claim it. You can never be sick. You, you, sh- you can't live in poverty because it's, it's done. It's won. It's sorted. And yes, in in some way it has been done and it's won and it's sorted, but we are not yet seeing the fullness of that. And we will not see the fullness of that until Christ comes again. But at the same time, let's not live in defeat. Let's not be in this place where we kind of struggle and just feel that oh, there's nothing I can do because, um, you know, there's just so much darkness at work in the world. And yes, it's not until Christ comes we're going to see victory you know, you can see victory even now. So I just want to encourage all of us this morning and just say, let's keep on going. Keep on doing those righteous acts. Keep on making that difference for the gospel. Make that difference for the kingdom. And I pray that, you know, God will keep us, you know, preserve us, and that all of us, you know, will be there rejoicing at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. We give you praise and we give you glory. And I just want to pray, Lord, that um, you will continue, Lord, just to help us, Lord, to be the people that you've called us to be, to do the things that you've called us to do, Lord, to make the difference for you, make the difference for the kingdom that you want us to make, mighty God. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you we give you praise and we give you glory. And I pray for um, any of my brothers and sisters who maybe are struggling right now, especially with what's going on with the pandemic, that they would be encouraged this morning, mighty God, to keep on going, Lord, knowing that victory is certain, knowing that one day they will be with you at the wedding feast of the Lamb, that one day all of our enemies will be defeated, mighty God. So Lord, I thank you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen thanks so much for that Toby. it's amazing it's been really great to be together this morning have a really great Sunday we'll see you next week hopefully and um, yeah get inviting people